welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. Today, we're going to be taking you on a little field trip to Danvers, Massachusetts. Field trip time! Not literally, because like this equipment doesn't travel. We, we could. Best. We could like just carry the whole table and get like a power generator. Go and, from place to place. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm sure uh, the Danvers people would love that. I don't know. They've probably seen weirder, more weird, strange. It's Danvers. Mm-hmm. Kid. Danvers. So after deciding we were going to pursue Rebecca Nurse as a topic, we wanted to bring that into the modern day. So we decided to make a trip to the Rebecca Nurse homestead. But as we'll find out in a minute here, Danvers has so many other locations tied to the Salem Witch Trials, aside from having the only standing home that belonged to a victim. So we hit the Danvers Witch Trials Memorial. Yes, they have their own memorial. And we also visited the Paris Parsonage where it all began. But before we jump into all that, quick tour time stuff. Tour time. <laughs> we'll get to a cool sound bit one day. Don't worry. Or I can just make it up every time. Every time. Didn't we say that last time? Yes, that every- we did. <laughs> Yay, tour time. They're probably sitting here listening like, oh my God, guys. Sing tour time for me. Tour time. <laughs> that was so bad. Can you cut that? No. <laughs> tour time. Ooh, tour see? time. That's yeah. cool. Do you like a little da 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 Okay, I'm going to keep it. Sorry. I apologize to everyone listening. So what happened on your tours this weekend? So I had, uh, this is a week ago, a little over a week, week and a half, a week ago. Anyway, recently on tour, I had some listeners Cool. Yes. So they booked. So when we get a booking on tour, um, in my how did you hear about us section, um, I have also like local store, local uh, hotel. Right, like Google, whatever, TripAdvisor. Friend, enemy. Um, Do you really have enemy on there? Yes. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Not many people use the enemy, but it's been used a couple times. I like Um, that. But I also now have Sale on the Podcast. And so this person selected Sale on the Podcast. I also have like a, a section of, is this some sort of a, a celebration, a thing? Right. Where of, they can add a little note. Yeah, birthday party, bachelorette party, you know, just in family reunion, whatever. And I saw this come in and I kind of like discounted it as like, oh, ha ha. But then I had them on tour and it turns out they weren't really lying. Oh my God, what... Traveled from New Zealand for this tour. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So like originally when I first saw it, I was like NZ. I was like, that's New Zealand. And I was like, that can't possibly mean New Zealand. Maybe it's like, Ari- did they misspell Ar- AZ, Arizona, Nebraska? And I was like, they couldn't have possibly. So tell me, well, they, they, you met them and. Yeah, they, they did for the most part. So I. Uh, Nikki, and I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember uh, their partner's name. I feel so bad. They said it, and it's gone from my head because it's a sieve. So Jeffrey, to you both. They're going to stop listening I now. know. I'm sorry. And it's it's not it's not him. It, it, it was her who was the propagator of, of this narrative. Uh, so he's from New Zealand. They were in New Zealand. They uh, drove up from Pennsylvania. Uh, so they have traveled an extensive amount of time to, to be here. Uh-huh. Um, and 
uh, she knew that they were coming to visit Salem. So she had Googled Salem, had searched Salem, had found uh, my tour and was like, this is cool. This seems interesting. Small business, you know, like not one of the big corporate things. She's like, that's what I want to do. And then through that had found the podcast uh-huh. and then had like marathoned the entire podcast, Ooh. had made her boyfriend <laughs> marathon the entire podcast. Uh, so they had like in the drive up and everything else. So, so they were at this point avid listeners oh my God. Uh, of the podcast. And that's so, amazing. So it was really cool. And because like, I didn't believe that like traveled from New Zealand. So I'm fairly certain they are by any leaps and measures our most distant uh, listeners. I think we got a couple people in Australia too. I think we're, we're hitting, hitting some good spots over New Zealand and Australia, that area. So So there we go. Thank you. Yes. They they, they were very excited and, and, and loved, loved it all and, and loved the podcast and were, were very excited. That's very cool. Yes. So shout out to them. And uh, just want to let you know that, that we are, they are hearing your voice all over the world. We appreciate you. Yeah. So I've had a couple listeners on tour uh, over the past week or so. I had one guy, though, at the end of it, when we are saying our goodbyes and chit-chatting, he says, oh, my gosh, because I saved the podcast thing for the end. He's right. like, I thought I recognized your voice. They, a, a lot of people, they have booked the tour and maybe have looked up on Spotify, Apple, uh-huh. whatever, Salem in the podcast section. It just pops up yeah. and they don't put the two and two together. They're like, oh my God, you're Sarah. Oh, you're, you're oh. Sarah. no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun connection to, to watch. Um, now I would like to just point out that multiple people have like not made the connection between our tours and the podcast, like whether or not it's them having difficulty finding us or like just not having a desire to like, you know, take the tours. We had gotten a a negative review pretty soon after we started the podcast, a one star, which I thought was a little excessive. Um, who knows? Could it have been another tour guide in town or owner? Uh, I mean, I don't think we've talked tour wars very much on this podcast, but mm. based on the amount that they had set, like referenced touring in general, it seemed a little suspicious. But in that review, it complains about how this is just an advertisement for our tours and how it's, it's yeah, um, obviously not. If there are, I mean, there are multiple people that still don't know how to even book book through yeah. us. Like, it, uh. no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree, and it, it's sort of like one of these things. Like, if if I wanted advertising, like there there are cheaper ways. I was gonna say <laughs> this also takes so much time yeah, and energy. This is like a whole second job, uh, and you know, cool, but. Like I, I can just pump ad revenue in, in, into Google and 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 Instagram, uh, print up flyers, stuff like that, um, and like again, genuinely pr- love meeting listeners on the tour, people who love Salem and have that passion and and are excited. You guys are awesome. But if that review was like, this is the point of this, like, eh, sorry, um, we just didn't know when to shut up and wanted to start recording <laughs> it. Like that's right? all. Yeah. So if we get a couple listeners on tour in the process heck yeah i love to meet people that love salem but at the same time like you said this isn't that wasn't the purpose behind this no Ooh, one last little quick tidbit thing um not tour related but you're just gonna think this is a cool piece of information i think i've been sitting on this for like 
two months. Couldn't and have been comfortable. <laughs> very funny. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know when to like bring it up or to put it in. And I wanted it to be related to what we're talking about, but I'm just going to give it to you anyways. Stumbled onto some information from my Salem high school comrades, um, not currently in Salem high school, but used to go to Salem okay. high school. They used to have wharfs as, you know how different elementary schools, middle schools, I think it was more like an elementary school thing. You're sectioned into different classes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I don't know. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, you'd have in that, and that's your group, right? That yeah. you're going to go say it's middle school. I think it was middle school we were talking about. And they've got three different sections in the school. And those are the kids that you're going to go, you're going to be in the same classes with for the next three years or so. Right, right. They separate, Salem separates theirs into wharves. So what do we have? Like, so you've like got a Derby wharf, you've got the Crown and Shield wharf, and I can't remember what the other wharf was. Pickering? Oh, yeah. Pickering. Duh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't there know. we go. Okay. No, no, you're right. It's either three or four. But like how cool. That's and pretty neat. Funny. I bet they. Uh. And then, of course, like my friends, um, Sarah and Nate, they're like they're a couple years apart. So they were kind of arguing about which wharf was like what, like oh no, the crown and shields were like the preppy people, oh and oh no, the derby people in my class were you know yeah. the yeah it was so funny. That's amazing. It was great. Oh and Salem, right? And something that people are so interested in consume oodles and oodles of information on. This was just their and just their their middle school. Yeah, yeah. Their normal upbringing. It's almost, almost like Hogwarts houses. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah, perfect comparison. <laughs> but on to Danvers. On to Dan Speaking of school and Spe field trips. Yeah, we, uh, our school field, our podcast, at, at whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Field trip to Danvers. Excursion. Yeah. So uh, I didn't, like, I know about Danvers, I know, like, where it is, and I was like, but I need a little bit of historical context, so I did a quick uh, Google to, to school myself up on a little history of Danvers. So I guess this was originally sort of, quote-unquote, founded or used um, in 1630, and I, th this is sort of the same as um, Conant using Salem in uh, prior to 1626, right? Uh, so I guess they first utilized uh, a road that had already been there, uh, that was in use by the indigenous people. So I guess we should probably take a quick opportunity uh, to recognize that not only Salem as we sit, but Salem Village, or, or now modern-day Danvers, uh, was, of course, historically uh, and still continues to be indigenous land, and that would be the Namkeg people in the Massachusetts tribe. Following that, uh, 1636, so 10 years after Salem is founded, Salem Village is founded. And this is just sort of like an extension of, of Salem, it's like, okay, now we're going to be utilizing this land as well. Right. And remember, Salem, what would have been considered Salem Town, what we are in right now, what you come to visit, and you know as quote-unquote Salem in modern day, that was a an early port city. Mm -hmm. um, but they needed a bit more land, and they needed to spread out a bit. A lot of the folks that are going to go to the west and to the northwest and create what is today Danvers, or back then was Salem Village, these are going to be more yeoman farmer types. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them, they'll, they'll have a lot more land to work with. And uh, that's really going to be the demographic makeup of these of these people. Less population. Um, more land. More and, and land. It's just, that's that's farming. More agriculturally based. Yeah. Because like, okay, cool, if we're shipping 
uh, in, into the shipping maritime fishing, you need a small house and a big boat. Right. Uh, here, you need a, a small house and a big plot of land uh, to get that crop, that agriculture, whether that's logging, uh, uh, hunting, fur trade, uh, crops, corn, whatever, whatever have you. Uh, so they need those several hundred acre plots. And this is why we expand uh, slightly farther westward. And that is what, maybe a 10, 15 minute drive for us. No traffic, yeah. No traffic. But back then, these folks that are moving to the outskirts, they still have to make that trek into Salem Town to go to church um, for a good portion of its uh, early years. Yeah, so. and, and also uh, conscription might be the wrong word, but uh, service in the militia. And, and whatnot is still uh, based in, in Salem Town. So when you have like watch and city guard and things along those lines. So you're, and you're just like, wow, I got to travel all this way for these people, for this thing, when you're trying to live your own life. And they, they don't like grow apart. That's not really. No, I think there's some. Res- mm. I, I think, and grow apart might actually be, be the best phrase when you have the farmers doing their farmer thing and the fishermen doing their fisherman thing. And when you have these wharfs and you're largely or more largely connected to ports and to shipping and to Boston, uh, and then the people out farms, they, there's a small resentment there and that's why they grow a little more independent. And it's in 1672 that they are finally allowed to establish, uh, their own church. This isn't, They've been trying to push for this for a long time. Uh, and for a while, the crown sort of says no, and the king denies them, and these sorts of things. But 1672, they are now allowed their own place of worship. Uh, but it's at this point that they try and find a minister who aligns with their narrative. So their church ideals are uh, more conservative than the church ideals in Salem Town which is one thing that's going to propagate the narrative of the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, and they strike out a few times. Uh, we have James Bailey from 1672 to 1679, uh, George Burroughs from 1680 to 1683. If that name sounds familiar, that would be the George Burroughs that is executed in August of 1692. He was a practicing minister over in Salem Village uh, 10 years prior. Which is one of the things that leads to his accusations and, and whatnot. Uh, and don't worry, we'll I think we'll end him. up, yeah, we'll do a whole episode on him. Yeah. Uh, then following him is Deodette Lawson from uh, 1684 to 1688. You'll also see his name quite a bit in the witch trials. He did a lot of the uh, transcript transcriptions um, in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and also I believe he gave testimony against several people as well. And then following him is the infamous Reverend Paris. Now, Reverend Paris is the first ordained minister. So these other people had been practicing ministers, but they hadn't gotten their, their full ministership yet. Uh, so that means that they could not baptize and they could not offer communion. So for that first, what do we have? 72 to 88, um, the people in Salem Village, while they can go to church and listen and practice and uh, hear these sermons, for those more significant uh, checks in the box within their religious ideas, they still had to come to Salem Village. Uh, Excuse me. They still had to come to Salem Town. It's with Reverend Paris that they can now focus themselves uh, in their own ministry and they don't have to go anywhere else, which is because they've been looking for that more conservative ideological minister. But then that has a twofold uh, uh, 
result, meaning they no longer have to go to the Salem town church. So that means they're just doubling down on their own narrative, even with this minister who can then provide them the services they need. And with it coming several decades later, the Salem Village Church, um, you can see where some of that resentment might also start to brew as well because they're just now finding their footing. They don't have nearly the amount of revenue coming into mm -hmm. the town. Um, so they're overall struggling just a bit more compared to Salem Town. And I don't think we mentioned this um, in our previous episodes, but another tension that will start is this idea of church membership mm. um so you to be and i know we touched on this in the rebecca nurse episode she was a fully covenant member of the church she had done all the requirements the necessary requirements and she was approved by the church by the minister to be a fully covenant member she's going to heaven she's done all the things it took a lot of time and a lot of dedication to achieve that status. But there was some discrepancies between Salem Village and Salem Town Church. So Salem Town Church, basically they said that if you were a member of the Salem Town Church, you were also a full member of the Salem Village Church. So for people like Rebecca Nurse, who is living in Salem Village, she's reaping all the benefits of the Salem Village Church, even though she was originally a member of the Salem Town Church, which sounds so like ridiculous and political. But in reality, when this is your life like this is th this is what they are living their day-to-day -day by this religious practice this was a big deal and the politics of church is just like the politics you see around us in modern day um, it was extreme so I, I think the best way that helped me understand this and I, I think where that this I, I heard this maybe from Marilyn Roach or I can't remember specifically uh, but they described the church as not a building, right? So when we say church, we think this is it, but the church to them is the population, the members. So the members make up that idea of the church. It's like a living entity. It's yeah. not the building it's itself. It's not like, oh, the, the church. You're like, okay, the church isn't the physical thing. The church is the people who make up the, the greater body. So when we talk about it's like the, that collective consciousness, yeah. So when we talk about oh, it's a slight against the church or against this, it's not just like that. It's it's the full population. But Reverend Paris um, is living in Salem Village, as in the home of the the or the building that is slated for the minister. They are approved for their own church in 1672. In 1681, they will construct a home for their minister. So this was very common back then. Uh, people would pool their money and kind of like taxes, and they would build a home for their preacher. So it's provided by the, the town. The first person to live in there was... Reverend Burroughs. Who we just mentioned. Then followed by Diodat Lawson. Mm -hmm. And then... Reverend Paris. So Reverend Samuel Paris, what it's named for in modern day, the Paris Parsonage. Which is the first stop on our field trip. So you had been, right? I had been, yes. Do you remember when? Uh, maybe a, a year and a half ago. Um, Just went out on your own? So I, I made it, and I don't know why I didn't do the, oh, it was winter. Maybe that might be why. 
um, when I started my own uh, tour company, I realized there was like a few things missing from like my narrative, right? Like, so I, I constantly, you always mentioned the Paris Parsonage, right? Because like, this is where it happened. These are where the, the girls were afflicted. This is where the whole thing sort of starts. And for something that I had been talking about, like every day, I was like, I need, I need to go and see this place. Uh, so it was winter. I think there was even snow on the ground. Very coincidental that you decide to go during winter when it would have been yeah, that type yeah. of, uh, it would have been then that the girls start having their fits mm-hmm. late January. So very similar weather atmosphere. Yeah. And so it's uh, just a foundation at, at this point. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not the building. There, there's no structure still there. Uh, but it's an archaeological site and a historic site. And it's very unassuming. Like, you have to know where to look. Uh, there's a little plaque on the side of the road. Yep. You kind of just peel off to the side, and then you walk through two modern homes. Um, between. Between, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not th- I'm going to leave that in. Uh, not through their homes. You've got two homes that the that the city has um, a little slice of property between. So you walk down that path and you come upon the site of these two old stone foundations. It's fenced off. Uh, There are uh, one, two, three different sort of plaques or or signs there. Uh, You can read uh, it as an archaeological historic site. Uh, There's some uh, description of what the house once looked like. Uh, and the addition to the house and these sorts of things, and uh, then how it was uh, excavated and uh, sort of, I don't want to say rediscovered, um, but uh, recognized as a historic site by... Richard Trask, actually. So this was interesting. The excavation work started in the early 1970s, and if you are um, a big fan of the witch trials, you've read any major books, any modern books on the topic, uh, his name has probably popped up before. He is the town archivist of Danvers, and he was just a student. Um, yeah. a college student, when he decided to pursue this project, he approached the two owners of the property and said, you know, I think this is where the Paris household stood. Can we do some some archaeological work on it? And they found it. Um, so they uncovered the two foundations and the city purchased the land and it will forever remain as it is um it's just it's amazing to think that this location had sat uncovered for so long and you said it was your second time going I had never gone and for me this was such a powerful moment as someone who studied the trials on and off for so many years at this point I don't know why you know it's a a 12 minute drive from my house like it's so close um but it took starting this podcast and starting this amount of research, getting really back into the nitty gritty to want to connect and go out and see these sites and expand my knowledge and expand my own understanding and narrative. And it was just really heavy being able to be in the spot where it all began. And I have, I've played these scenes over in my head so many times at this point. I've told these stories. I've described them. I've watched people absorb this information, but I haven't been there. And to be there in that spot, it was just, whew. So what I think is is really strange about it, and I, I think I mentioned this while we were there or 
Maybe I haven't. Um, so I'm from here, you know, Massachusetts, and we actually recently uh, went to my house uh, where I grew up and took a quick little walk in the woods, and I showed you some of the old foundations that are out there. Mm-hmm. And those are scattered around. I, I could have brought you to, to eight or nine others that are very similar. Um, and I spent my childhood uh, growing up and playing in, in these woods and in these places and in, in these old foundations and places. And uh, I have looked at my town history, and there there's no record of, of where these places are. They just don't exist. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I haven't done like a significant amount of archaeological research or evidence at all, just like a casual look. Um, but I'm fairly convinced that they're from the 1600s, 1700s. Um, I know there was a big fire in Groton at one point. I know a lot of the, the colonial houses were destroyed by the indigenous people in King Philip's War. And so it sort of stands to reason that, that if not in that time around there, that, that people lived there. And so all these places just littered around New England. And this place is just like all the others. And it is, it is their lives were, were so common to them in these places that, that we've seen a dozen times before and as similar as it was to all these places that I'd been before, it was also so remarkably different just because of that story. That, that story. That, that moment in time. Yeah, yeah. That moment that, I mean, the, we could say the, the beginning fits lasts a few yeah. months. I mean, it just... Over the course of 13 months, what did those people hear? What did those walls see? Like, it just, it's... before that. Or before that. Because, you know, this is where Reverend Paris is. And so, you know, you could make the strong strong argument that that he is the cause of a significant amount of this. And it's him living in that place. And, like, I'd stood stood there and, and, you know, what these girls were going through. Uh, you know, some of the things that, that we've heard that, that they did, you know, sort of the uh, self-harm and in terms of the, the running into walls, things like that, or, you know, the, the attacks that they had, um, or how uh, Paris would practice his sermons. Was that sitting at a table? Was it pacing around a room? Was it, was it preaching from, from the Bible as these girls knelt there or sat there and not necessarily forced to listen, but... It's a small house. You're going to hear it no matter what. <laughs> and that's where Tichuba picks up the significant amount of her understanding of the devil, which is why she's able to paint the picture for them that she was in, in these small rooms. What was it? Maybe 15 by 15, you know? And, and they just, through osmosis, gain that knowledge. And, and then through all these other, you know, small little things that are going on in the community, it just, that's where it all started. So if you are looking to do a little um, trek through Danvers, might we suggest starting here? It's located at 67 Center Street, and it is a free, um, open-to-the-public piece of property owned by the town of Danvers. Just We ask that y- if you do make the visit, please be respectful. Um, it's, you know, it's small, it's quaint, it's a heavy piece of history just can, can I make a small suggestion yeah park at the memorial and walk over good call yeah there's it, like no parking we, I had to like sort of jump in on off the side of the road parking um which I I don't know if I shouldn't have done yeah no I don't think you should have done that <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But uh, uh, park at our next stop, uh, which we're going to talk about here uh, at the memorial. And then I don't know, it couldn't have been more than a five. Gosh, like three minute drive. Not, oh, I was going to say I like mean, a five minute walk. Oh yeah, it'd be a five minute walk easily. Yeah, because I had to turn around. So we pulled a zigzag and then, yeah, yeah. So the Danvers Witch Trials Memorial was dedicated on May 9th, 1992. Um, So our memorial, which I think most people are familiar with already, uh, right next to the old Bering Point Charter Street Cemetery, that was dedicated on August 5th, 1992. So this one went in first, although I am sorry to say... I was just counting the months, three months. I'm sorry to say, neither of us had ever visited. Nope. So even when I went to the uh, Paris Parsonage, I I don't know. I just didn't. We're just terrible tour guides. (laughs) (laughs) I I would argue, I I would argue, and and, uh, for other tour guides who are listening, have you been? If if, if other uh, tour guides in Salem are listening... Let us know, reach out, and then, you know, then we know that you're listening. No. And then, um, and then we look real bad. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would argue that the majority have not. Okay. I, I, would, I would make that argument um, that the majority of tour guides in Salem have not taken but, the trip over to Danvers. Okay. Um, I will shame us a, a little bit. I feel slightly ashamed. Yeah. So I will admit it. But it was, um, it was an interesting experience. It's a totally different than ours. Uh, so... Real quick, the one that you see when you come to like Salem Town, uh, our modern day Salem, that's right next to the Pickman House, right next to the old Bearing Point. You've got those 20 benches along, mm-hmm. uh, 10 on each side, and each one has like a name, date of execution, method of execution. And then you have the trees and the little uh, rectangular greenery space in the middle. And it's kind of this wraparound path that you go through. This one, though, this one gave me um, like Vietnam Memorial vibes with the the, the tall plaques, okay. you know, and like the, the names big, listed on that. Sure. Yeah, that that sure. was uh, kind of the visual that it, it conjured in my head. It's also kind of alone, right? Like like Charter Street is there's I mean, there's always people. Uh, it's next to the bearing point. There's like restaurants around it's downtown there's other buildings around so it it's it's a very busy location and not just in terms of people but another it's next to the pem there's cars driving by right so there's always something sort of going on very bustling yeah sees uh, a lot of traffic this was very alone so it sort of stood alone and I, i'm not i'm not trying to so even when we were there i sort of felt alone Right, like you just said alone, like seven. I know, but I, I can't come up with a better. Way. It's le- almost as though where we were was forgotten, where we were was not necessarily neglected, which then sort of made me think of all the people who it represented, who who had been forgotten, alone, and neglected by the community. I wouldn't say that it was alone, but it was in a more secluded area. Yeah. Like, of course, Danvers doesn't have this bustling tourist culture. If anything, I felt like what we were experiencing, nowhere near what they saw uh, terrain-wise in 1692, 
but it felt closer to what they were seeing. So like being in Danvers, we were kind of in, I don't know, like a suburban area. The houses were pretty spread out. Um, you didn't hear the bustling of Salem. of Salem. You didn't see a bunch of people walking around. It felt like you were back in time for just a okay. quick moment. Uh, that's how I felt personally. And it was off to the side, uh, somewhat in a secluded area. It looked like there was like a park or some type of recreation center behind it. Mm-hmm. And as you're coming up to it, you know, it's right on the side of the road. So you can see it as you're driving by. Uh, it has five tall granite panels and on those panels there are lists of everyone who died uh, basically in chronological order and one thing I really appreciate about this memorial is it doesn't just focus on the people that were executed and Giles Corey uh, who was tortured to death but it also talks about the people that died in jail and it it includes those five others which I you don't I mean the uh the Proctor's Ledge Memorial does, uh, but the one that we're most familiar with doesn't. So it was nice to see to see their names. But each panel, it sort of breaks it down uh, by group. I think it's by chronological. It, it's in chronological order, yeah. Each person next to their name, it also includes where they're from. Yes. Which I also very much appreciated because so many people think this is secluded to Salem. Right, and it's not. And it makes the distinction between Salem Town, Salem Village. So you see where all these folks have come from. And then on the furthest most panels, the outside panels, there are several quotes from the original documents uh, from these these victims, which gave me, uh, reminded me of the Holocaust Memorial over in Boston. Okay. As you walk through, you'll see quotes. You see the, yeah. 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 I appreciate that. It was well done. Yeah. And and, then, and that's not even. That's not even like the main. Yeah. And and then, so that's in, I guess, in the back. Yeah. Um, preceding that in, in the front um, is a, a large pe- pedestal. A granite block. A granite block that it looks like a tomb, but it also, I think. Do you think? I don't know. Maybe uh, is it meant to be a tomb? Is it in the, a way? As one of those old chest tombs that we yeah, see? Yeah, it looks similar to an old chest tomb. It could be. I'm not sure. On on top of that is is a book. Um, and it's unfolding and it just reads the book of life. Uh, flanked on either side of that are uh, shackles, and then the stone uh, reads, "In memory of those innocents who died during the Salem Village witchcraft hysteria of 1692." So I'd say overall, it's it's so different than it's so different than the one that we're used to standing in in every day. Oh, and at the top of the the center panel. Above it, above all of it, the the highest part of the memorial is an engraving of a Puritan minister kind of overseeing everything. So I think it speaks to just like the power structure. I don't know. I'm I, I don't love it. But I, like are we about to are we about to give our, our, sure. our personal but opinions on it? Uh, of that of the preacher. To me it felt the the chains, the book, 
the preacher, it all felt like a bit too much, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if that's the best word. It just... Mm. No, I, I, I feel I feel that. Um, it was sort of almost as though they were trying to go... They wanted to include many important things, and they couldn't figure out what to cut. And they're like, we... And I, I appreciate the shackles, um, especially because, like, the, the weight sometimes fit literal physical weight of, of what those meant and the people who were uh, held in jail and they were held um and you know they were uh, usually shackled as they were brought to proctor's ledge uh the book the readings you know, it comes from the bible i really think that was meant to be like a chest tomb okay because if you think those people they're never given a burial this is like right right the spot and like that's why the book of life is open yeah like there that's mm. Interesting. But we should also mention that the location uh, is is important as well. This was the coolest part, yeah. in my opinion. So it is uh, built, or it was built, or it is standing across the street from where the meeting house once stood. So that would be the meeting house in which they have the initial questioning, uh, where Tichiba, Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne are brought, uh, where the, the chaos of the courtroom erupts. The girls are having their their fits in front of the entire community. This is also where Rebecca Nurse would have been brought for her initial questioning. So not where the trials themselves took place. Remember that courthouse was right in downtown Salem or what is now downtown Salem. What was Salem town back then? Here we have the Salem village meeting house where Reverend Paris is doing his preaching um, and also where these initial questionings would have taken place. It was at that moment when when you pointed out the sign that said this is where the old meeting house used to stand. I I realized we were going in order. Yeah. Like we went from where it started to where it went next, mm-hmm. to the meeting house, to the questioning, to to the the community outbreak, I guess you could say, where Tichaba tells her tale. It was pretty crazy. And then from there, uh, our next stop on our uh, field trip. The Rebecca Nurse Homestead. And so one, one of the cool things, we'll get into everything that we saw there, but one of the cool things that was there was the meeting, was the replica of the meeting house. Which I don't think you and neither of us knew was going to be there. That was kind I, of a surprise. I think I knew, like, oh, it's a replica of the meeting house. But having started at the Paris Parsonage and then going to the location of the, where the meeting house was and just having you there and we could like sort of talk about what was going on uh-huh. and then moving to that location was like, I hate to use the word cool. It was full circle. It was, it was cool. You're like, man, this is like. It felt like you were being transported back. Yeah. But it was it was weird. It was eerie um, walking into that space. And actually, <laughs> a funny little interjection. I wish we would have known oh. what their their ah. event, their event scheduling was. Ah. We weren't able <laughs> to get into the meeting house right away because they were having an event, and they said something about a church service. Yeah, so and my I, first thought was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> I would not want to go to a church service in like in a building that is." a replica based on where these people were first like 
Right. Like what persecuted. Are you doing? Wait, is it like a party? Is it a thing to do? And we didn't know. Um, which hey, you know, and lesson learned. Always I don't know. I don't know what the lesson here is. Plan ahead. Sure. But we didn't know that this was good. We walk <sighs> we walk in and there's a guy dressed like a dressed like a Puritan minister. Like sitting where the Puritan minister would have sat and come to find out he had done a whole Puritan sermon. Taken from Reverend Paris's notes. Yep. And I guess it was just a a thing that they had put on. They do sometimes these historical. So it wasn't an actual church service. It was. uh, It was as if you were going to church back in 1692. Yeah. So people had, and I guess it had been on their website and and they had promoted it and we had just missed it. Um, So. But was kind of crazy and cool, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but that building uh, was the last one we went into, um, and it was it was neat. Yes, put up in 1984, so not not too old for PBS's three part documentary series, Three Sovereigns for Sarah. If you haven't checked that out, highly recommended. <laughs> Go. Jeff hasn't even checked it out. You got to tell our listeners to watch it, and you haven't even uh, watched it. I, everyone who I've known has said go watch it, it's and again, so, it's, it's just so good. One of these things that just is not. We'll watch it together. We can't do everything. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Um, but when you watch that movie, or mm-hmm. sorry, when you watch that series, the meeting house that they they have all the the initial questioning in that was the one that was built on the Rebecca nurse homestead which we got to go into and so kind of cool I guess the the um, person who works for Essex Heritage w- was there and, and she was telling us that people continue to use this I mean they'd used it that day uh, but she was telling us that oftentimes like if you've seen some sort of reenactment some sort of movie some sort of documentary that involves Puritans and meeting houses it's likely that spot. Uh, I guess they can rent it out. They've done some weddings there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things like that. As soon as she said rent it out, Jeffrey's ears perked up. It's like, ooh, what are we going to do here? We could, we could we could record a podcast episode in there. I would like to see a full-blown like reenactment in there. I'm sure they do that from time to time. Yeah. But I, yes, we could record. I don't know if Cry, Cry Innocent works from the town hall here in, uh, in Salem. I, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. Real quick plug on that woman who took the time to chat with us. That was Catherine Rakowski. And I had actually listened to her talk uh, before we went to the homestead. She was on a podcast called Someone Lived Here. So if you are looking for some more resources after this episode, go check that out. Um, the host Kendra Gaylord goes to different locations throughout the country and just sits down with curators, exhibit specialists, that kind of thing, and talks about the individual who lived in that space. So she actually recorded the episode in the space. Um, hopefully maybe one day we can do that in the future, but it's a great, uh, in-depth dive into the Rebecca Nurse Homestead. Very neat. Uh, speaking of the homestead, that's why we went. That's why we were there. We went to go visit the only standing structure that one of the innocent victims uh, from the Salem Witch Trials lived in. And I know so many of you come to Salem and you get your uh, Instagram picture from the witch house or you take a tour of the witch house or, you know, that's like that's a big deal. And it is an incredibly important historical structure. It's a very uh, cool. We went and took a tour. We did a whole episode on the witch house. Um, but 
no witches lived in the witch house. Uh, no witches lived no, at the Rebecca Nurse, nurse homestead, homestead either. Very good. <laughs> Remember that, people. Yes. No witches. Uh, innocent, innocent victims. Uh, but it was extremely significant, and I will say, I know that the home itself has gone through several renovations, and Rebecca Nurse and her family had only moved on to it, what, in the 1670s? Mm-hmm. So it's not like she raised yeah, all it, her it children wasn't there. born and raised. She was born in, in, in England. Uh, but it wasn't like they spent their entire lives here. Uh, but there was a portion. Yes. And that's where she was. When they executed her, I think that was the heaviest moment for me, was standing in the room where they very well believe that she... They, they believe that she might have been in when they came to arrest her because she was uh, poorly, of course, uh, 71, yeah. quite frail, possibly sickly at this moment. She's probably in bed in the main room by the fireplace and to stand in that spot while the tour guide was talking about what she would have said when they came to get her. Um, it was just a very powerful moment looking out the window at the farm so that, that's what I was doing when I was sitting on the stoop, uh, just looking outside. Oh, God. Yeah. When I saw you, and what I was thinking of was what her children would have felt because they would have watched her be carried away, and they would have been left there. What do you do? So, so and, and this is why I did that. Uh, none of the furniture or what, and, and you could have stood and looked at, at the room, but the room is going to look different, right? The room is going to change and, and the windows and, and whatnot. But when I was, I was like the amount of people, the people who have literally walked where I was sitting, because you can't, and I, I don't, this, you don't know where in the, the room they would have stood. You don't know where in the room they would have walked through, but they had to get in the house. So likely where I was sitting and looking out into those fields was where the nurse children came to play they came to hang out but to get in and out of the house they took they came in with the arrest warrant through there and took her out through there and that's just sort of what was going on uh through my head when i was sitting there like i said we we imagine these scenes over and over again we think about these names constantly we tell these stories constantly um i've dreamed about the salem witch trials <laughs> multiple times at this point only in october really i don't know I don't. oh yeah you don't dream yeah you, yeah never mind you're weird yeah uh but to be in the location and i know we've touched on this in previous episodes this idea of place being in that location where it all went down where it happened there's just a there's a heaviness and energy whatever you want to call it whether it's the weight that comes from the centuries of people putting that energy into it, like uh, Mike brought up in one of our recent episodes about the Salem Witch Trials Memorial, or it's just um, our own understanding coming to that space with the knowledge that we do, knowing these stories, knowing the heartbreak, and then being there. It was a lot. But it was also really kind of neat to sort of just if, if nothing else, you sort of look around and it, it helps you uh, when we talk about these locate. So the life they led, you know, and what they did, the churning, the butter, the, the fixing fishing nets, their prayers, their daily services, the animals and the barns and these sorts of things. We it, it's sometimes 
difficult, and I try and paint a picture for the people on tour, these rooms were small. These houses were small. They're not living in like these great grand, uh, you know, you think, oh, they, they, they had horses in the barn, and you think 21st century, what a barn looked like, you know, with 15 paddocks and all these horses and their norm and their modern, like, and you can go to home Depot if something breaks, yeah. like oh, you have lights, you have electricity, right? Your hay bales. And they're like, that's not, that's not what was real. And we try, I, I try and erase sort of a modern narrative from the story, but to be able to stand there and be like, God, this is really what it was like. I had some guy on tour. Um, he was, somewhat giving me a hard time pretty much throughout the entirety of it, which happens depending on, on the person. But I think he was very skeptical of the whole thing. I don't know what knowledge he came to Salem with, um, whether he thought, you know, the whole thing was a conspiracy or some people think that, you know, everyone was just going nuts on ergot poisoning, whatever the case may be. He's like, why didn't people just leave? Like why didn't why wouldn't you just get up and go? Like what what do you what do you mean go where? But like that that's people say the same thing today. You're like what are you gonna do, right? Like just leave. You're like okay cool I can just leave my. Let me just uproot my whole entire life, family, everything. I can I can sell my house. I can sell my car. I can take my kids. I I can just leave. You you can't just do that. If that was so easy, then we'd all like we do it all the time. Yeah. Like, can you afford that? Can you afford to leave? What, what's your car payment? What's your house? What's your mortgage? What's the bank? You're going to close a deal. I know the housing market today is pretty good, <laughs> but like, I don't, I would have to move, like hire movers, hire, you'd have. You can't do that back then. Yeah. You, you don't get to hire anyone. Yeah. Like what do you, for these people to escape, you're leaving everything that you have built up into that point possibly never to return and and where would you like where do you frontier territory where are you gonna go back to england you can't go maybe what is south you get the the you can't go i mean i guess you could go north but the french are up there and they're catholics you don't want to deal with them and like they brought george they brought george burroughs all the way down from maine like you if you wanted to be if you wanted to be safe you had to make it all the way down to new york which someone did philip english but he, he was, was rich as hell. The wealthiest person in Salem. So yeah, you could just leave if you had the money. Which, Please. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Make of that modern argument what you will. But yeah, I was like, you know, it's not easy. Not, no. not, even, not in the slightest. Yeah. And if you think moving your life today would be difficult, just imagine what it was like. It wasn't a free-for-all. I think that's what he thought it was. It was just a free-for-all. You can just, oh, I don't like it here. I'm going to go but an hour away and set up shop somewhere else. Her and Francis are going to, what, get their eight kids, dozen grandkids, and, and, and just... And then you got to think about how many of these people that were targeted were elderly. Yeah. She, it, was, she was bedridden. She can't, we, yeah, cool. Let's just move grandma because, no, please. And also, let's not say, why aren't people leaving? Let's let's talk about why they would have to leave in the first place <laughs> and, like, address the actual issue. If there's a reason you need, to, you need to flee from your home, the problem isn't fleeing. The problem is why you have to flee. Exactly. Anyway. Anyway. Just wanted to. No. Yeah. <laughs> so from the homestead. Uh, we took a short walk, uh, sort of skirted the edge of a wood down across a field, uh, to another rather important location. 
the Nurse and Putnam Family Burial Ground, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but... <laughs> it, rem- it, is, it is weird. It is weird, but remember, we mentioned in our most recent Rebecca Nurse episode that there were Putnams in her family mm-hmm. uh, by marriage, yes. and it'll just populate even more after the trials. So Putnam becomes a very big part of their, their family name, but it is not... The obviously, you know, you got Putnam's on both sides. You got accusers and accused. Um, so the legend, the legend goes that uh, after or on the evening of July nineteenth, sixteen ninety-two, um, a member of the nurse family uh, sails up the North River and recovers Rebecca Nurse's body. Um, so remember, these people were considered witches, uh, agents of the devil. They were not buried. They were not given uh, uh, burial practices and laid in the ground. They were likely just discarded or put in a shallow grave. Uh, So that night, they recover her body and bring it back down the river uh, to the Rebecca Nurse homestead where we went to see. Now it is said that her husband Francis and one of her sons requested to be buried alongside her and that's where they're at so it's believed that this is where she is located Um, also in this burial ground is a stone for George Jacobs Um, so he was executed also in his 70s he was he was executed in August of 1692 and when they were doing some archaeological work at Proctor's Ledge, uh, they discovered a set of remains, which they believed to be George Jacobs because he had um, the bones showed signs of osteoporosis mm-hmm. and he walked with two canes. He was kind of known to be a bit frail in the limbs. So uh, his body was removed from the Proctor's Ledge area and placed at the Rebecca Nurse homestead. So you've got those two victims uh, buried in that space. Significant because that's really the only two that we know of. Um, Everyone else's bodies have just been lost to time. Uh, There's a possibility that some families did go back and retrieve. I I believe also there some people speculate that John Proctor's Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I do hope so. Remains were taken, and uh, excuse me because I, I haven't schooled myself up on this, but were taken to somewhere and buried there. But unfortunately, that site was then constructed over, and part of my memory is telling me that it's, it's maybe a road or a highway. Okay. Um, I, I, I cannot remember the specifics on that. Um, that makes sense. But it's a highly respected yeah. man in town. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me actually, I'll try and look into that and get back to you. Um, But that's few and far between. And again, these places, while it is likely or probable or or speculative, it's not 100% known. It's not like a guarantee. Uh, You know, as I said, legend, right? This is probably what happened. And we tend to believe that. But in contrast to that, I can walk a mile down the street and walk directly up to and in front of uh, Magistrate Hathorne's grave with a headstone. It's right there. I know where he is. It's, it, that's not up to question. That's not a possibility. That's not a legend. That's, he's right there. The anger. <laughs> but that's, 
That's what happens when you uh, die in power. The history. That memorial to her was put up in 1885. Uh, so I think that speaks to the just um, all around consciousness of the property owners um, and of the nurse family. This is, they're talking about this still in the 19th century. This is I, long before which city, you know? Yeah, I, I get asked a lot. Um, like, has this always been uh, historically pre- prevalent? And I sort of say, depends on the time. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. And late 1800s, uh, it it was. We see the the Daniel Lowen Company witch spoon. Uh, we see the Rebecca Nurse Monument. We see uh, Upham, Upham, Charles Upham. Uh, he publishes his uh, historical account of the Salemwich Trials in 1867. So we can see that the late 1800s, it, there is a prevalence, uh, which is probably tied to spiritualism. I was going to say, that's right. You yeah. know, post-Civil War, <laughs> memorialization yeah. in general yeah. was huge. So I, I'm sure that that kind of prompted yeah. the family to pursue this memorialization of Rebecca Nurse. On that monument, it reads, Rebecca Nurse, Yarmouth, England, 1621, Salem, Mass, 1692. O Christian martyr. Who for truth could die when all about thee owned the hideous lie? The world redeemed from superstition's sway is breathing freer for thy sake today. And that would be from the poem Christian Martyr by John Greenleaf Whittier. It was uh, a somber walk. Uh, but, but again, it's one of these things that's like just add to our narrative and, and our story when we can include uh, these people and, and the places that, that they were and the, the things that they saw. Once again, we went in order um, and it just came full circle. Started at the Paris Parsonage where it all began. Went to the site of what was then the meeting house and then ended the day paying tribute to these individuals who died. Um, it was It was... A successful trip to Danvers, to say the least. Yeah. We do have uh, one cool thing. Do you want to open it? Do you want me to open it? I want to open it. You want to open it? Okay. So we have one more uh, little special piece of the episode for you. Kind of like, you know, those unboxing videos? <laughs> it's an un- unopening? No, wait. An opening. An opening, not unopening. Yes. Cool. Okay. Of? Of. Okay, I'm going to read it. To the descendants of Rebecca Nurse of Salem Village, Massachusetts, Danvers today. Born in 1621 in Great Yarmouth, England, executed July 19th, 1692, 71 years old. So this is one of the descendant packages from, uh, you can get them at the Witch Museum. And so we've got Rebecca Nurse's here and Sarah's going to get to open it. Yes, I am. So if you go into the Witch Museum, you don't have to go through the museum. You can go to the gift shop. Yep, go right into the gift shop. They have a wall of these um, and not just for the executed, but I think they've expanded out to um, some accusers and some folks that have died in jail as well. So I'm opening it now. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so it is. I really wanted us to each peel out like piece by piece, piece. but it looks like it is all folded up together. So we will take it out. Okay. Okay, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? All right. Ooh. I want to see. Sorry. I want to see. 
Ooh, get married. Oh. Yeah, it's a full. Let's look at that. Yes. Dear descendant. Oh, sorry. We are not. Full disclosure. We are not descendants descendants. that I know of. Although John Alden, an accused witch, is in my family tree by marriage. Okay. Haha. But sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I I only got here. My my father. I'm an immigrant. I wasn't even born in this country. So. Yeah. I don't. I'm not going to get that at all. No witches in your family. No. Dear descendant. Each year, our museum is visited by hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals who can trace their lineage to the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. We meet people from all over the country and the world, people who have known of their lineage their entire lives, and individuals who have just found this connection and want to learn more. While we have always hoped to be able to connect with descendants and hear each specific story, we have been unable to take on a project of this size until now. Go ahead oh, and read the oh, second okay. the second paragraph. This is, oh, there's there's some stuff here. Don't look, don't look. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <clears throat> In this packet, you will find information relating to your relative. Each packet contains different levels of information as we know little as we know very little about some individuals and much more about others. Where possible, we include specifics relating to age, birthplace, and family, including siblings and children. However, for many 17th century individuals, this information is impossible to know with certainty. The primary goal of this project is to provide basic biographical material resources for further learning and to help point you in the direction of additional genealogy information. Some families of which child descendants uh, already have websites, blogs, reunions, and newsletters. Oh, sorry. When possible, we include this in the information. Reunions wasn't the... uh, Kristen... The woman at Essex Heritage was telling us about how... Catherine. Catherine, sorry. Wasn't Catherine telling us about... How they had meetings. Uh, there was a whole reunion. Yes, uh, um, the nurse family. Yeah, the there are descent. There's a, actually a group. I did a, a very brief bit of research on this. There's a group of individuals. I think it's about four to five hundred people that are local to this area and are all, te- for the most part, can trace their lineage back to Rebecca or. You don't have to be one to join. So some people are just huge history buffs okay. and they all, this is kind of cute. They all call each other cousins. <laughs> yeah. But but that. they all, they get together, they have their reunions and then you can say, oh, what line do you come yeah, from? Yeah. Oh, what line do you come from? It's kind of cool. That's pretty neat. Okay. You want to read the next paragraph? Yes, I do. Okay. Wait, which part did you read? Only the second paragraph. Okay. We hope this project will continue growing and evolving in perpetuity. Perpetuity. In- in perpetuity. In order to continue adding to this information, we need your help. While it may sound counterintuitive, it is important to remember that history is always changing as we continue to learn more information and make new discoveries. History is a living and breathing entity, and like all historical projects, these packets will most likely change over time. Family genealogists and descendants are often the best experts on a specific individual's history, so we want to hear from you. If you have additional information you believe believe should be included in these packets or you find something you believe to be incorrect, please email our director of education at rachelc at salemwitchmuseum.com. She's done like YouTube blogs and stuff this year. I want to, I want to, we got to interview her. Yeah, we need to, I think we need to get in there. Right. Maybe, do you yeah. think they'll let us record in there? Oh, in like their archive area? Don't they have, they have. I think they've got some, some secret spaces. I think they have a copy of the Wonders of the Invisible World. Oh, that would be so cool. I think. 
something. They picked up a cool, a really important piece of uh, historical evidence a few years back. With, what do we got? Within each packet, you will find dun, dun, dun. one, a short biography, two, list of locations related to each individual, three, list of related reading for further research, four, list of surviving court documents, five, additional descendant information when available, six, genealogical research resource list, and descendants questionnaire. Oh, very neat. Okay, so let's see. You got one more. Okay. Within the scope of this project, we hope to both collect stories and probe deeper in what it means on a personal level uh, to be a descendant. If you are interested in contributing a family story or would like to be added to a database of descendants, please fill out the included questionnaire and return it by email or mail. In addition, we invite you to join our Facebook group uh, entitled Salem Witch Child Descendants. Oh, that's neat. Uh, this group is hosted through our Facebook page and provides another resource for descendants. Uh, sincerely, Rachel Christ, uh, Director of Education, and Jill Christensen, Assistant Director of Education. So that's pretty neat. Um, so we're going to thumb through this real quick. But uh, as this is a, a paid thing, so you, you you do have to buy it. I don't think we should like, you know, totally go into depth on yeah, it. Yeah, no. But yeah. in general, maybe just give us, give, okay. give them our reactions. And speaking of it being paid, like these are $10 a piece. You can pick them up, as we said, in the gift shop at the Salem Witch Museum. We are not being paid to do this in any way. Like this is just something that Jeff and I had had on our to-do list to go through one of these descendant packets. So this is the first time that either him or I have seen one of these things, open these up. So what, what do we got there? What do you, your face, your yeah. face is pretty. You're, you're, you're going to love the shit out of this. Oh, very nice. Let me see. Let me oh see. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, uh, check out the bottom. What do we got at the bottom? One of your favorite things? All the way at the bottom, in the, in the footnotes. Foot- footnotes? The, the citations. Oh, you... I'm just saying. It's you're a, just point. You're pointing out. It's all cited. It's not. <laughs> yes, just like, this is this yeah. is how actual research is supposed to be conducted here. Footnotes and all. Yes, oh. I like to see footnotes. Okay. Oh, we, and let's talk about her sisters. Oh, okay. This this is interesting. I think we talked real quick. Uh, the reparations. You said twenty. I said twenty-five. Yeah. Right here. In addition to reparations, committee allot the sum of twenty for Mary Eastie to her husband and twenty-five for Rebecca Nurse to her son Samuel. Oh, look at that! So look at we, that! Right? Questions already answered. We got any more? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's back and forth. So related locations: the homestead uh, up in uh, Treadwell Walking Path, Pine Grove Cemetery. Clay's house, which is, I don't know what that is. This is so cool. Proctor's Ledge Memorial, Witch Trials Memorial, Victims Memorial. That's where we went. Related. Oh, my good Lord. It just keeps going. Hold on. Can I have some of these? Sorry, I was just giving no, it to you. Okay. That, You're getting, order. I get it all secondhand here. <laughs> uh, the books referenced. We have uh, Mathers, Wonders of the Invisible World, Daniel Gagnon's book, Marilyn Roach, Upham. Genealogical and Descendant Societies Resource Sheet. So this has a bunch of information about uh, the associate, the daughters of oh, the associated daughters of early American witches. Did you know that that was a I thing? I didn't know that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the thing though. 
Here's the thing. There's, there's always a thing. They're, no, I, my question is, they're not witches. Like, okay, well. I'm going to be that person. You're gonna, fine. But it you, says, no, membership it, requirements, a woman must be at least a woman. So it's only women, which, which why why is it being? What about the descendants of George Burroughs? Right? A woman must be at least 16 years of age and able to prove direct lineal descent from an ancestor who was officially, by authority, government, or church, accused or tried or convicted and executed for the practices of witchcraft or wizardry in colonial America prior to the 31st of December, 1699. That's just, I I don't know. I have a few. Feels about that? Quips quips about that, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Sorry, I just took them all. That's why I gave them to you in order. <laughs> okay, that goes there. I don't do anything in order. Mm. Uh, that, so this is the so this is some of the resources we were just citing. The uh, examination as told by Deodette Lawson. I bet they have Paris's too. Do we have a physical scan, like a, a copy of the document? I was really hoping to no, see that. We do not. It's just a translation. Do you of have it. Trans, a transcription yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Excerpt from examination of Rebecca Nurse as told by Deodette Lawson. So that's what we were reading from. We were reading from the scanned copy on the Virginia database. Right. And so this is just a transcription of that. Okay. I was hoping, I'll be, yeah. this is high hopes. I was hoping that we would get like a scan of that original document, but that would also be a lot of work. So and it's not like they could read it, the longhand cursive and whatnot. Oh, I hate trying to read that. But it's so. You know what I, I learned recently? People study the, I should have known, people study handwriting, of course. But if you look at the court documents, notice the weight at which they hold the pen. Look at the urgency in which they are writing. And you can ascertain so much more about what was happening in that moment if you if, foc- on the, focus on the oh. way that it was written, not just the language itself. Okay. Which, of okay. course, we don't get from typing right because yeah okay so we're i'm I'm gonna say we're gonna like read through this like the whole thing this is great as as just a a learning tool and you know it's cool that like as a as a descendant you get to pick all this up but i'm just i'm just gonna go ahead and recommend that if you are at all interested in the salem witch trials if you're a tour guide in the city uh (laughs) if you are at all this is this is pretty cool this is pretty cool that it? I think that's it. I mean, we went through it and uh, some highlights from it, so that's pretty neat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get my own copy and make notes and yeah. So remember, you can pick up uh, the Rebecca Nurse packet along with a ton of other ones, two dozen at least, over at the Salem Witch Museum. So I, I mean, I don't want to go through it on the air, like I said, because there's been a lot of research that's clearly gone into that, and the uh, the Witch Museum deserves uh, to be credited and and and, and paid for their work. Um, but I think I think we should do this for all of them. Well, yeah, that, that, that was that was the plan. Okay. Yeah. I like that's a good plan. It's a good plan. I like that plan. Maybe we'll go pick out a random one one day, do a little you, mini episode. I you don't know, know what, like someone who we don't talk about much, like yes. someone who's not as prominent. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, good deal. We got plans. We got things. Let's do it. So I think that's going to wrap up our little field trip to Danverse. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this brief overview of some of the old Salem Village locations. If you are in the area, just remember to be respectful to all these locations. Um, as you're driving through Danvers, it looks like you're 
everyday metropolitan area. Yeah, There's, we, we've got a couple malls. We left and just a quick mile, two miles. Not even. It was zigzag. it was no joke. In like two or three minutes, yeah. we were on the main drag, driving next to a mall. Right, the driving next tree mall. Driving next to the expressway, so it is tucked away. It's off the beaten path. It is something that you have to seek out, but we strongly suggest that you do so because it does tie you directly to where some of this stuff really kicked off. Yeah. So like if, if anyone's coming to Salem and you're like, oh, I want to see the thing or do the like what's off the beaten path question, rent a car, don't rent it, call an Uber. Uh, it's all pretty walkable uh, and, and head over to Danvers. A great which, way to escape the crowds yeah, too. Which of course used to be Salem Village. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later. One star. Yeah. I feel better. <laughs> Take it. You can see yourself out. <laughs>